This week, we're talking trends. We're talking dating apps. We're talking hyper-casual games. We're talking music. It's going to be interesting, so stay tuned. Welcome to a new episode of This Week in Apps. I'm Ariel from App Figures, and you know how usually I look at this week's data and I turn it into five interesting things you need to know? Today, I did that for the entire last year. I found five trends that I think will be very interesting to keep an eye on in 2022, and a lot of them have to do with money. So let's jump right into it and talk about dating apps. Dating apps were such an easy go-to when lockdown started because they're just so convenient. And you can think to yourself and say, why wouldn't they be really successful, right? It makes sense. But if you scroll back just a few years, you remember that investors were kind of turned off by them at some point and no new investment was given to dating apps just a few years ago. And why is that? The users were there, they were clicking, they were adding pictures, they were swiping, they were doing all these things that would make you feel like they're engaging with the app, but they weren't paying, they were freeloaders if we think about it in economic terms. And that was a problem for investors and that's why that whole industry kind of cooled off just before lockdowns. But because of lockdowns and because of how everything now is changing, I think things have changed permanently. And what I mean by that is people are paying for dating apps. So I rounded up the top dating apps in the US and I summed up the revenue over the last few years and look at that growth. Led by Tinder, the heavyweight champion of the bunch, dating app revenue nearly doubled since the beginning of 2020. In absolute terms, that means they added about $90 million of additional revenue every month. In 2021, the top 10 apps earned $1.6 billion of net revenue across the App Store and Google Play. And yes, that is billions with a B. So I think it's safe to say that even though freeloaders are probably still the main users of dating apps, and we can clearly see that with what's happening with Bumble right now. Bumble made a small change to the kind of filters that it offers for free. They took away a few, and they're getting tons and tons of negative reviews, people complaining about how the app is no longer usable and how now they want you to pay for everything and they see it as the end of the world. But at the same time, Bumble is still making more money. What does this mean for competition? Because normally when we see an industry where there's more money consistently, we're thinking more money, more apps, right? And that's what I say all the time. But I don't think that's the case here. I think in the case of dating apps, it's gonna be so difficult to introduce a new dating app at this point, because think of how much scale you need in order to have a network where people are actually talking to other people, which is the goal of this. It's gonna take a long time and in terms of investment, it's gonna take a lot of investment. What I think we'll be seeing is more fierce competition from existing apps. So you have apps like OkCupid that used to be big and then kind of disappeared over the years. And those apps I think will one, fight for better monetization within the app because now they know it's possible, but also for discovery. If you look at the top 10, the bottom five will definitely spend more, in my opinion, on getting more discovery to kind of beat the top names like Bumble and Tinder and to some extent even Hinge. I think we'll see a lot more of that. And I bet you investors and in apps in this category are going to be keeping an eye on pretty much every move the competition is making because they can learn from every one of those moves and either do the same thing if it worked really well or make sure not to do it if it didn't. I see a year full of that. Tinder is one of the top grossing apps in the US. I don't think that's gonna end. And I think apps like Bumble and Hinge and those other ones are gonna try and race towards it. Another interesting trend from last year that I think we'll see more of this year 
is streaming. Streaming is one of my favorite kind of go-to topics. I talk about that almost every other week. And if you've been following, you know that full well. Now it's finally time to talk about the entire year of streaming and what that means. And I like talking about streaming apps, movie video streaming apps in this case, not just because they're putting up big numbers, but they also did something that is very different. The movie industry is kind of an old ancient industry that has been in existence for so long and did everything the way it wanted to do for so long. At some point that kind of ended. Think about cable companies. When was the last time you had cable? I don't know about you, but I know that I haven't had cable in many, many, many years, probably more than five easy, six, seven, maybe even more than that. So instead of just dying, like many other industries have because of this move to technology, video and movie streaming apps, once they've gone mobile, they've become very successful. And it took most of them a long time to figure this out. I was going to talk about companies like HBO Max and Disney Plus, which I talk about all the time. But the more I looked at the data, the more I realized that the more interesting trend, a lot of mores, is really in everyone else, all the other streaming apps. So I'm gonna skip HBO Max and I'm gonna skip Disney Plus. And I rounded up six of those everyone else apps and I looked at their revenue growth over the last few years and I did that by quarter. Going back to 2020 pre-pandemic and really before the trend that I'm talking about really started, you can see that growth was negative. They lost about $10 million in revenue in 2020, in Q1 of 2020. And that's kind of a big deal, but that quickly changed. By Q3 of 2020, more apps joined the race and that's the interesting thing here. It's not just that existing apps were making more money, existing apps were monetizing better, but also new apps started getting into this race. NBC jumped into the race with Peacock TV and a few others as well. And we see that happening throughout the year in 2021 as well. By Q3 of 2020, we see an increase of 43%. And then in 2021, we see very similar growth, but really quarter after quarter. And this is everyone else. This is not the HBO Max and this is not the Disney Plus that we're used to seeing put big numbers up. So I think this trend is going to continue being extremely positive. And if you're looking at the screen and you're thinking, what is a slump in December? It's still, look at that number. That number is huge. And so I think even that is a positive and we're not gonna see less of that in my opinion in 2022. And with so much content, I think, again, the name of the game is gonna be competition. They will have to make sure that they know what all the other streamers are doing and to make sure that if they do something that makes sense, use it if they don't make sure not to use it. I think that's going to be a trend that we will benefit from. And I've been saying that pretty much all year because they're competing, they're gonna give us more content and that content is gonna be more accessible. And that content is gonna be potentially even not at the price where it would have been if there wasn't as much competition. Win-win, I think. Next trend is creators. I've also talked about creators more than once. And if you look at the top grossing apps right now, TikTok is the number two top grossing app in the US. And remember that prediction that I made a few weeks ago that TikTok will become the highest earning app in the US in 2022? That's happening, but it's not just about TikTok. Creator platforms like TikTok, and when I say creator platforms, I mean platforms where the end users can pay the creators directly like they can on TikTok, those platforms have been proving to be creating real businesses. YouTubers have known this for a long time, so this is not new in the world, but at the same time, even being a creator in YouTube is now significantly easier than it was maybe four or five years ago. The kind of features that you have access to from the platform are no longer locked 
as they used to be only if you're successful. And all these things are just making it super easy to get started. So just how big is this segment and what can creators really expect? For that, I'm going to look at the top three creator platforms, TikTok, Bigo, and Twitch. All three offer in-app purchases so users can pay creators. YouTube doesn't. That's why I excluded YouTube from this analysis. Since 2020, the trio has grown its US revenue, and that's net revenue, from around 10 million back in January of 2020 to more than $85 million per month in December of 2021. Now, the majority of this revenue is coming from TikTok, but that's not how it started. In January of 2020, both Big O and Twitch were earning more for their creators. And even though TikTok's meteoric growth really eclipses the rest and by much, those have also grown substantially for normal companies. Big O's US net revenue nearly tripled to $15 million per month. Twitch, Twitch is going through a rough patch, so I expect to see some discrepancies there, but even it doubled, and that's when you look at its kind of ugly months, the last few months, where it lost about half of its revenue. If we ignore those ugly months, they grew by a factor of five. There's a lot going on here in this space, and that's a space that wasn't really as open up until not too long ago. Now, unlike dating apps where only a small few companies benefit, this trend is really more about everyone. Almost every platform where creators can create has or is in the process of adding tools for creators to get paid. Look at Twitter, look at Clubhouse, look at all of those different platforms. While I expect more people to try and become creators this year, I don't expect everyone to succeed. But there's an interesting loop here that is very, very important. More people trying means more content, more diverse content. More diverse content means that the platform has more to offer and it will get more users and those users will reinforce this loop. And this loop is very healthy and this loop is sustainable. That's the most important thing. Of all the different ways to look at it, I think the sustainable loop is really, really important and that's why we're gonna see a lot more of it in 2022. And that's also why TikTok will become the highest earner. Next up, music. Music, just like dating apps, was one of those places where you would not expect to see a lot of revenue, but you would expect to see a lot of usage. And over time, that has also changed pretty drastically. To see how much growth has happened over the last few years, I added up the top music apps by revenue, and the top music apps in this particular group are YouTube Music, Pandora, Tidal, SoundCloud, and Amazon Music. And I looked at their in-app revenue. Since most of them monetize directly on Google Play, meaning not through Google Play, I can't really include Google Play in this analysis, so it's only about Apple. What about Spotify? I did not include Spotify, and that's really on purpose. They're in this huge fight with Apple, and because of that, I don't think their revenue numbers actually show the real truth behind growth in this segment. So I omitted them. Led by Pandora, net revenue in the App Store grew to $47 million in December of 2021, according to our app intelligence. And that's an increase of 47% over January of 2022. And January was actually slightly higher in general. So we're looking at big numbers and big growth numbers. And no, I didn't mess with the numbers. So we get 47, 47. That happened all on its own. If we zoom in a tiny bit more, you can see the race and you can see how it's shaping up. Pandora, which was the market leader in 2020, actually dipped a bunch in 2020 and in the beginning of 2021. And that made way for YouTube Music to take over. And YouTube Music is now the highest earning app in this group. The two added 14 million and $16 million respectively in December of 2021, according to our estimates. Streaming is here not just to stay, but here to grow and in all forms that people can consume. Switching gears completely, I wanna talk about hyper-casual games. Now, I talk about hyper-casual games at least once a month when I look at the most downloaded games of the month. 
And so I talked about them a bunch. And hyper-casual games monetize with ads mostly. The key to success with ads is downloads, lots and lots of downloads. So I wanted to analyze their downloads and see if they're growing or if they're shrinking, specifically because of app tracking transparency. And let me explain why. Thanks to great ad targeting tools, getting those games to the top of the charts was pretty possible. It wasn't cheap in any way, but it was possible. And those days kind of ended with app tracking transparency, which took away a lot of those targeting tools and made it a little bit more difficult to get positive ROI on such campaigns. I wanted to analyze them in a way that's a little bit different. Stay with me because this is a little bit more complicated than what I do normally. Instead of just looking at downloads, and because there are just so many hyper-casual games that come and go, the names are not really memorable, they just come and go, we can't really look at the top 10, or we can't really look at the top 100, it doesn't really make any sense. So instead what I did was I looked at the most downloaded games charts that I do every month, and I counted the number of games that are hyper-casual out of the top 10. And then I looked at their downloads and some all of them up. So if you're still with me and I didn't lose you, here's what it looks like. And you can see the shape and you probably know where I'm gonna go with this, but let's begin with the data. In January of 2021, seven of the top 10 most downloaded games in the world were hyper-casual games. And they brought in about 163 million downloads according to our estimate. And by the hot season for games, which is summer, both numbers rose even higher. Nine of the 10 most downloaded games in August were hyper-casual, so 90%. I don't know how one snuck in, but one snuck in. And they brought in about 183 million downloads. But look at the sharp decline right after. October dropped to just four apps and 77 million downloads. And in November, they dropped even more. They rebounded kind of a tiny, teeny, tiny bit in December. But overall, we're talking about a decrease of roughly 50%. Now, the real question is, is this the end of hyper-casual games? And I don't really have an answer for that. I think it's a really complicated answer because where there's a will, there's a way. And if developers find them to be a good tool to make money, they will continue producing them. But let me zoom out a little bit. If we think about the higher costs of advertising, of acquiring those downloads, and we think about how much attention spans are becoming shorter and shorter and shorter, and we also take into consideration just the enormous amount of content that's being put out there. I think what's gonna happen is we're gonna see a new class of games that's kind of a hyper, hyper casual game. A game that takes even less engagement, takes even less attention and can happen more quickly. And that could fit much better into a very busy day for people who play these games. I think a lot of that is gonna be based on data. A lot of that is going to be based on what works and what doesn't work as opposed to what a game should be. I'm not the audience exactly for these games and I don't really love where this is heading from just a game developer perspective. But if we're just looking at data, this is inevitable and that's what I see happening. So yes, I think we'll see more hyper-casual games, hyper-hyper-casual games in the future. And I think they're gonna ask even less from the user who plays them. And that's all I have for you this week. Hopefully you enjoy the content. And if you have any questions, drop them in the comments and I'll try to answer them in the next episode. That's it for me. I'll see you next week.